If you're new with us today, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And um, if it's okay, we're just going to dive right in uh, to part three of our current sermon series called um, I Am. And if maybe this is your first time with us, or maybe you missed part one or part two, let me kind of catch you up a little bit and help you understand kind of where we've been already in this particular series. Um, We're hanging out in the Gospel of John, which is in the New Testament part um, of our Bibles. And what we're doing is we're looking at some of the I am statements that Jesus made about himself that show us exactly who he is and prove to us to be uh, the son of God. Um, So in part number one, um, Trent did an amazing job job talking to us from John chapter number four. And uh, the I am statement that Jesus made in John chapter number four, he told the woman at the well, we know her as the Samaritan woman. He said, I am, the Messiah. Uh, He revealed himself to her to be that person that the nation of Israel had been looking for literally for generations and for thousands of years. Um, Last week in part number two, uh, Trent did another amazing job at helping us understand that Jesus is the good shepherd. And in John chapter number 10, Jesus made the statement. He said, I am the good shepherd. And Trent talked about how as Jesus being the good shepherd in our life, how Jesus leads us because that's what a shepherd does with his sheep, how that uh, Jesus protects us because that's also something that a shepherd would do for his sheep and how that uh, the shepherd shows the way for his sheep to find the green pasture, to experience um, everything that they need to live and to exist. Um, Today, we're gonna hang our hat in John chapter number 11. So I would encourage you, if you've got a copy of the Bible or if you've got a smartphone or a tablet, find John chapter number 11 and just hold your place right there for just a minute because we're gonna unpack another I am statement that Jesus made as he had an encounter uh, with some people one day uh, in a little town called Bethany. And uh, the statement that Jesus makes, we find in John chapter 11, in verse number 25. And here's the statement that Jesus makes. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of talk about this idea of uh, of a resurrection. And uh, if I could give you just a simple working definition of the word resurrection or the idea of a resurrection, uh, it would be this right here. Very simply, a resurrection happens when something or someone dies and then comes back to life. When something or someone dies and then comes back to life, that's what the Bible calls a resurrection. Uh, And I was thinking as I was kind of making some preparation for our time together today, how in the world can I, can I illustrate that in a, in a tangible way? Uh, And I'm not the most creative guy, um, but this is what I came up with. Um, uh, If you can pretend with me for just a minute that this jar is, is kind of like the ground or the earth. And I've actually got some dirt in this jar uh, today. All right. And um, I've got some seeds with me as well. Now, one of my favorite um, things to eat is corn. Anybody else like corn on the cob? I love corn on the cob. So I've got some, I've got some corn seed with me today. And, and, and what we know is that, that when we take some seeds, whatever kind of seeds they are, 
and, and we plant them in the earth or in the ground, here's what we know about these seeds. In just a few short days, these seeds, once they're planted in the ground, guess what? They're literally going to die. That seed's going to die when it's planted in the ground. And after it's stayed uh, dead for a, a period of time, after it's laid dormant in the ground, then we get what we know as a resurrection. So imagine this seed dying and then boom, all of a sudden, a few short days, a few short weeks later, we have this right here. That's a picture of a resurrection. Um, I've also got some flower seeds with me today, and I'm not very good at making things grow uh, around the house. Maybe some of you are, or many of you are, but here's what I know. Uh, The same thing is true. When we put those seeds in the ground or in the earth, they, they die literally, and after they die, you know what? We get a resurrection. We get a beautiful garden um, that we can spend time in and hang out in and, and, and get joy and fulfillment and satisfaction because those seeds that were planted in the ground physically died and then they came back to life. So that's the idea of the resurrection. And um, what I want to share with you today out of John chapter number 11 is maybe a story that's really familiar to some of you. Um, If you've been around church, maybe at some point in time in your life, chances are maybe you've heard the story of the time when Jesus showed up in the little village of Bethany and he raised his friend Lazarus back from the dead. And that's the story that we're going to unpack today. But to kind of give you a little bit of a a broad context of John chapter number 11, uh, let me tell you about how that's laid out in my Bible today. And I'm going to read some things from scripture today. And there'll be some scripture that'll come up on the screen that you can follow along with today as well. But let me tell you how this story is laid out in my Bible uh, as I'm going to read it to you today. All right. Uh, The story of Jesus and Lazarus is found in John chapter number 11. And in my Bible, it's broken up into two pages. On page 1013 on my Bible is the first part of the story. And you know what you find in the first part of the story on page 1013? What you find is physical death because Lazarus literally dies on page 1014 in my Bible. But you know what? When you keep reading and you come to page 1014, you know what happens on page 1014 in my Bible? What you find happening on page 1014 is that Lazarus is resurrected from the grave. Lazarus literally comes back to life. So on page 1013, Lazarus is dead. There's death. But on page 1014, Lazarus is raised from the dead. So the question is, what happened between page 1013 and between pages 1014? And the answer is very simple. The answer is very clear as you read through this narrative in John chapter 11. On page 1013, Jesus is absent from the story. But on page 1014, Jesus shows up in the story. 
And the principle for us in that, or the key takeaway for us in that is this right here. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. Let me say that again. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person because on page 1014 in John chapter 11 and verse number 25, Jesus said again, I am the resurrection and the life. And you might be saying today, well, Pastor Brian, what in the world does that have to do with me today? Well, I just got to believe that maybe there's somebody who's watching out there today and it seems like you're living your life on page 1013. And there's some things in your life that are, that are either dying or they're dead. Maybe for some of you, and I, I just got to believe this is true because I've heard the stories For some of you, you've lost your job recently because of the COVID-19 crisis and your career is dead. Uh, For some of you, maybe you've been married for a period of time and things just haven't been right between you and your spouse. And there's been struggle and there's been strife and there's been conflict and there's been arguments and there's been words that have been spoken. And maybe in your mind today, your marriage is already dead. And just, you're just waiting for that opportunity. You're waiting for that, the right time to say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm getting out of here. Maybe for some of you, uh, the depression and the worry and the anxiety and the fear that you have because of the pressures of life, maybe it's due to the coronavirus um, shutdown. Uh, maybe it's due to uh, your work environment. Maybe it's due to the pressure that you feel from a family member or from a friend or a coworker or a neighbor. And you're just at a point to where you're trying to figure out is life really worth continuing to live? And can I just tell you today, John chapter 11 has good news for us. The story of Jesus and Lazarus tells us that Jesus specializes, listen to me, Jesus specializes in bringing dead things back to life. And oh, by the way, he always does it in his own time and in his own way, which is what we're going to find out in our story today. So let's pick up the story in John chapter 11. I want to read verses one through eight for you today because they'll kind of give you a little bit of a context uh, of what I want to talk about um, today, okay? So here we go. John chapter 11 and verse number one, it says this. It says, now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, uh, uh, and here's what they said. Lord, the one that you love, talking about Lazarus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. And in verse number four, it says, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the son of man may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha, her sister Mary, and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews have tried to stone you and yet you are going there again. And then we jump down to the second part of verse number 11. And here's what Jesus said. He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now that word fallen asleep right there literally means Lazarus has died. He's physically died. He's breathed his last breath. It says, our friend Lazarus has died, but I'm on my way to pick him up. And then verse 12 says, then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but he thought he would, they were, they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe. And then he says these words right here, which I think are really important for us today. He said, but let's go to him. You know why I believe that little phrase there at the end of verse number 15 is really important to us today? Because it says to me that Jesus is not afraid of the things that are dead in our lives. He says, let's go to him. Let's go back to Bethany. Let's go see Mary and Martha because I'm going to do something about this idea of death and I'm going I'm to do something that's going to blow your mind. So what I want to do today is I want to introduce you to three characters in this story. Uh, so if you can, maybe let's just kind of play imagination today and let's try to maybe put ourselves in the shoes of these characters uh, in this particular story, because I just got to believe with all my heart today that some of us can relate to what's going on in these people's lives. And what we're going to find is that in each of the characters that we're going to talk about today is that there is something that was going on in their life that caused death on the inside. Uh, So I want to start today by looking at... uh, Uh, at verses number seven and eight again. And then we're gonna jump down to verse number 16. And we're gonna talk about a guy by the name of Thomas. And here's what we're gonna learn uh, about Thomas. Thomas was one of Jesus's disciples. And what we're gonna learn about Thomas in this particular story is that Thomas was dead in his doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts. If you go back up to verse number seven, it says, then after that, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Now, what you have to do is you got to kind of rewind a little bit back to John chapter 10 to understand what Jesus is referencing there in John chapter 11 in verse number seven. And just on the heels of, of Jesus teaching what we heard last week from Trent, where Jesus made the I am declaration that I am the good shepherd, as he was teaching that to his followers and as he was teaching that to the crowd that were gathered around him that day after he finished teaching and you can go read it starting in verse number 31 of John chapter number 10. The Bible says, again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. 
So they weren't happy with the message that Jesus was portraying or proclaiming about himself. They weren't convinced at all that Jesus was the good shepherd, that he was the the Messiah. And the Bible says that they picked up stones to, to, to kill Jesus, but Jesus escapes and get away. And in chapter 11, Jesus referenced that or the disciples referenced that. And it says, um, uh, Rabbi, in verse number eight, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you wanna go back there again is the question that they've asked. And then when you jump down to verse, um, and when you jump down to verse number 16, you find Thomas. We know him a little later on in scripture as doubting Thomas. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But verse number 16, it says, Then Thomas, who is called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go so that we may die with him. Now, let me stop right there and explain that statement uh, for just a second, okay? Verse number 16 was not a statement of courage and valor on Thomas's part, okay? Uh, this wasn't his Mel Gibson freedom speech. Let's go and, and, and charge hell with a water pistol kind of thing, all right? This is not a statement of, of courage and, and valor. This is a statement of doubt. This is a, a, a question of doubt in Jesus being who he really is. This is a question of Thomas doubting whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. This is a question of doubt whether or not Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, Matter of fact, you can go all the way to John chapter number 20, and I'll give you the scripture reference in John chapter number 20, about verses number 24 uh, to 29. You can go read of the encounter that Thomas had after Jesus resurrected from the grave and revealed himself to the disciples, and Thomas was absent the first time, but then Jesus shows up again when Thomas is there, and Thomas says, the only way I'm going to believe that Jesus is resurrected from the grave is if I can touch the nail prints in his hands and I can put my hand in his side where the spear went through. So this is a question of of spiritual doubt. This is a question of, of Thomas being dead in his doubts, still doubting that this guy named Jesus that he's been following, if he really is who he says that he is. So let me ask you a question today. Have you ever had any spiritual doubts? I have. There's been a lot of times in my life where where I've had spiritual doubts. Now, if you're sitting out there today on the other side of this camera that I'm talking to today and you've never had any spiritual doubts, you're probably a perfect person. And if you're a perfect person, you just sit there wherever you're at, polishing your little halo while the rest of us learn something about how to come alive in the doubts that we have spiritually sometimes in our life. I mean, think about it for just a second, all right? Um, Haven't you ever prayed for something and that something never happened? Um, Haven't you uh, believed in a miracle or, or desired to see a miracle and that miracle never happened? Uh, Haven't you prayed and worked and, and tried to serve 
and never saw any fruits of your labor from a spiritual perspective? I have. I've prayed those prayers. I've looked for those miracles. I've worked hard in ministry and there's been seasons and periods that are just seem so dry and so barren. And scripture's full of stories like that. I can remember early on in my ministry when God called me to plant a new church in 2004. Really for the first five years, I had spiritual doubts as a leader and as a pastor. Wondering whether or not what I was doing, trying to invest in people's lives and teach truth and help introduce people to Jesus, whether or not it, 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 it was working. And I had spiritual doubts those first five years. And I've had many seasons in my life where, where there have been spiritual doubts. And here's what I just want to help some of us understand and what we're going to see uh, in this story today is it's okay to have spiritual doubts as long as we don't stop looking for the answers. It's okay to have spiritual doubts as long as we don't stop looking for the answers. And here's the principle that's been true in my life. In those moments where I've been dead in my doubts and I've had spiritual doubts, God has often used those seasons of spiritual doubts to produce personal growth. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives today as well. See, God can handle our questions of doubts. God can handle those seasons of doubts where, 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 where we just ask the hard questions and the tough questions and we're wondering why maybe things aren't happening the way that we hope they would happen or why things aren't going the way that we think that they should go. And it's okay to have spiritual doubts as long as we keep on looking for the right answers. You see, the key is we got to keep seeking truth and we've got to keep being faithful. We've got to keep seeking truth and we've got to keep being faithful. And oh, by the way, truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Because Jesus said in John chapter eight and verse number 32, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Had a great conversation with a gentleman a few days ago who who had some doubts, and uh, he contacted us at Epic and he said, "Man, I just need to talk to somebody." And uh, I followed up with him, and basically he just said, "You know what, Pastor Brian?" He said, "I've just got some doubts about God and and about Jesus and about the Bible and about the Holy Spirit and." And I have a limited knowledge and understanding, but, but there's just something that I'm just seeking for and searching for. And you know what? I was so encouraged after about 20 or 25 minutes and talking to that person on the phone because it just came back to this point right here is that here's somebody who had doubts, but he never stopped seeking for answers. And that's what I want to encourage some of you in today. If you've got spiritual doubts today, don't stop searching for truth. Don't stop searching for the answers. And sooner or later, you're going to learn the truth and the truth is going to set you free. The next character that we see in the story is, is a lady by the name of Mary. And when you come to John chapter number um, 
11 and verse number 17, here's what it says. It said, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. We're gonna come back to that in just a minute because that's important, okay? In verse number 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles away, okay? So this is not some long distance trek that Jesus would have had to make, okay? Even though Jesus walked everywhere that he went or probably rode an animal, a donkey or a mule or something like that. This was not a trek that Jesus couldn't make literally with probably just in the matter uh, of an hour or so. And in verse number 19, it says, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. And as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But listen to this. It says, but Mary remained seated in the house. Translation, Mary was having a pity party. Can't you just imagine Mary? Martha hears that Jesus is on his way. And and Martha and Mary and Lazarus all had a great friendship and a great relationship with Jesus. So, So Martha gets excited and she says, Jesus is on his way. And she runs out of the house to go meet Jesus and to greet Jesus. But Mary's just sitting there on the couch watching TV or just staring at a blank screen, maybe. Big deal. Jesus is on the way. Can't you just see Mary in her discouragement? I've been there too. Probably many of you have been there as well. But what Mary failed to do in this moment, what Mary failed to do is to appreciate all the blessings in her life and remember all that Jesus had done for her. Have you ever been discouraged because things just didn't go your way? I've been there too. I know exactly what that's like. Maybe you were next in line for for that job promotion and you were the most qualified. You had the credentials. You had the seniority. And for whatever reason, things didn't go your way and your company or your boss promoted somebody else in your work environment instead of you. That's pretty discouraging, isn't it? I get it. Maybe for some of you, Um, you've been married again, maybe for quite some time, but your marriage has just never been great. And you just kind of get discouraged and defeated because you're waiting on your spouse maybe to kind of turn that corner and acknowledge and acknowledge that there's something that's fractured or broken in your relationship. And you're, you're waiting on them maybe to, to go the extra mile or to do something special with you or for you. And it just seems to never happen. And that causes discouragement and despair in your life. Maybe you're a parent today and you've done everything that you know to do to raise your children in a way that is best and right. And you've taught them scripture. You've maybe modeled for them what it's like to Uh, to live a life that honors and pleases God and you look at their life and some of the choices and decisions that they make and it just breaks your heart and you get discouraged and defeated because maybe you feel like you've failed as a parent. Maybe there's a dream that has died inside of some of you today. Maybe it's a dream to start a ministry 
Maybe it's a dream to start a family. Maybe it's a dream to start a, your own business and, and, and be your own boss and, and, and go after something that you're passionate about and it's just never happened for you. Things have never gone the way that you thought they should go. See, that was Mary's attitude. Mary's attitude is that things aren't supposed to be this way. Yeah, maybe Jesus is on his way, but as we're going to see here in just a minute, her discouragement was caused by the fact that Jesus was too late. Instead, what she should have been doing, and I know it's easy for me to say this because I have a different perspective, uh, 2,000 years or over 2,000 years removed from when this story actually happened. But, but in verse number two of John chapter 11, it tells us exactly who this Mary is. And it says, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord's feet with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. Now, we're not going to take time to go there, but let me encourage you to go to Luke chapter number seven. And uh, in, in, in Luke chapter number seven, starting in about uh, verse number 35 or so, specifically around verse number 38, you're going to find the story of when Mary encountered Jesus. And, and, and you can go read it for yourself, but basically Jesus has been invited to this religious leader's house and Mary shows up and she shows up with this jar of perf- uh, expensive perfume and she spends the entire time Jesus is hanging out with these religious leaders, trying to help them understand what's really important and who he is. She spends her entire time wiping Jesus's feet with her hair and washing Jesus's feet with her tears. And she poured that expensive oil on Jesus's feet. And you can go read the story again. And what we find is that Jesus used her as an illustration of somebody whose sins had had been forgiven. And this act of gratitude, this act of love that she poured out on Jesus was in response to everything that he had done for her. And the key to coming alive from our discouragement is to appreciate all the blessings of life that we enjoy and to remember all that Jesus has done for us. Um, I was so proud um, of Epic um, this past week. Um, I had the opportunity yesterday uh, to serve alongside of, of a group of folks from our church to help another lady in our church whose husband had recently passed away. And there was a need that she had in her life that, that she just wasn't able to meet by herself. So you know what? There were a bunch of us who got together and said, you know what? Let's do something for this person. Uh, let's show up and, and meet this need and take care of it so that she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. And we had a group of us that showed up at her house yesterday and we loved on her and we served her and we blessed her and we helped her. And you know what I realized as we were doing that? The greatest way for us to come alive from the discouragement in our life is to do something for somebody else that they can't do for themselves. So let me challenge some of you today. Um, why not um, get out of your comfort zone maybe a little bit? And if you're dead in your discouragement today, let me challenge you to do something for somebody else this week. 
Maybe there's something you can do by yourself. Maybe you can do like we did yesterday and you can grab uh, uh, some friends or some neighbors that you have close relationships with, that you're like-minded with, and you guys can decide to do something together for somebody else. And I would especially challenge anybody, if you're dead in your discouragement today, the quickest way to get your eyes and your focus off your own circumstance and your own situation and your own discouragement is to go serve somebody else and do something for somebody that they can't do for themselves. So Mary was dead in her discouragement. Uh, Thomas uh, was dead in his doubts. But then we meet Martha. Uh, What we learn from Martha is that Martha was dead in the delay. Martha was dead in the delay. Let's go back to verse number 17 for just a minute. It says, when Jesus arrived, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And let me tell you why that's significant right here, okay? It's because there is this Jewish tradition in this particular time. Uh, we could kind of call it maybe like a superstition of their day, okay? There was kind of this Jewish superstition that when a Jewish person passed away and died, that their spirit would actually hang around and hover over the body for three days, thinking that maybe some way, somehow, a miracle was going to happen and God was going to intervene and reunite their, their spirit with their body. But on the fourth day, that spirit would depart. So that's why the Bible tells us specifically that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And then you jump down to verse number 21. It says, then Martha said to Jesus, remember Martha was the one that went out to greet Jesus. She was the one that went out to meet him. It says, then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, Jesus, you're too late. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And this tells us that Martha was dead in the delay. How many of you have ever been there as well? You've been expecting something to happen. You've been expecting God to to show up and, and come through some way, somehow. You've prayed for it. You've worked for it. You've longed for it. Maybe you fasted for it. And it just seems like God just isn't showing up on your timetable. Here's a truth we need to understand from this story today, and that's this right here. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Maybe there's some of you out there today and you have a longing to to be married. You have a longing for a significant other to come along and you've prayed for that. You've asked God to, uh, to help you be the person who, who's, who's ready for that in that moment and for whatever reason, that person just hasn't come along yet. Maybe there's some of you out there today and, and, and you have a longing to have a family and start uh, uh, building a family and having children. And for whatever reason, maybe medically, the doctors have told you that that's just not possible and may never ever be possible. And you're dead in the delay. Maybe you're like me. And there's been times in my life where I've prayed for physical healing 
in a, in a family member or loved one's life and, and, it, and it never happened or it, or it hasn't happened yet. Here's what we learn from the story of Jesus and Lazarus, okay? God's delays are not necessarily God's desires. And just because Jesus doesn't show up now doesn't mean he's not gonna show up eventually. Just because he doesn't show up now doesn't mean he's not gonna show up eventually. On 10.13, Lazarus is dead, but on 10.14, Jesus shows up. So what do we gotta do? Sometimes we just gotta keep reading the story. Sometimes we gotta just keep living the life. Sometimes we just gotta keep being faithful. Sometimes we just gotta keep trusting in the truth of what we know to be true. And what we know to be true is that what Jesus said in John chapter 11 and verse number 25, is absolutely true. I am the resurrection and the life. And what I want to do as we wrap up today is just read some of the rest of the story and make a couple observations. Starting in verse number 23, Jesus said, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, here's the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And then in verse number 26, Jesus said, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? You see, what we learn in the rest of the story, as we'll unpack in just a minute, is that dead things don't stay dead when Jesus rolls up on the scene. Let me say that again. Dead things don't stay dead when Jesus rolls up on the scene. And you may be dead in your doubt today. You may be dead in your discouragement today. You may be dead in the delay today. But let me tell you something. Dead things don't stay dead when Jesus shows up on the scene. And when you start in verse number 28, basically what you find is Jesus showing his humanity. He's given a great picture of humanity because the Bible says that when, when, when Jesus saw how upset Mary and Martha were together, that he, he wept, he cried, he was sorrowful. But it goes one step further and it tells us that Jesus was upset. Another version of the scripture says that Jesus was, was, was angry in himself. Matter of fact, you pick up in verse number 38. It says, then Jesus angry in himself. That word angry there literally means he was upset. He was moved by the emotion. One of the reasons I think Jesus was moved was not just because Lazarus was dead, but because Lazarus had died and God's original intent for mankind was never death. You see, when God created us in the garden of Eden and he placed Adam and Eve in that perfect environment, his intention was for mankind to live forever in a perfect place. But because they chose to disobey God and because they chose to sin, Bible says that death became a part of every human being's existence from that point on. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it is appointed unto man once to die. And I think Jesus was upset because this was not God's original plan. And he knew that because he was God in the flesh. And he was upset that 
Mary was upset, and he was upset that Martha was upset, and he was upset that, that the enemy had, had, had robbed all of humanity of the perfect relationship that God desired uh, to have with people. And it says, then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. And I don't know if you can kind of picture this. I can picture Jesus kind of having this little posse with him and closest friends and family member. And Jesus is like, come on, I'm going to show you something. And it says there, it says, that uh, um, uh, uh, then Jesus, angry in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying against it. And here's what Jesus said, remove the stone. I can imagine him saying, what did he just say? And I can imagine Jesus saying, remove the stone. If you can kind of picture him kind of being a little bit upset, him kind of being a little bit aggravated and frustrated, I can see Jesus saying, remove the stone. And Martha, she said, uh, uh, told him, Lord, he already stinks. I love the King James version of that verse. It literally means, it literally says he stinketh because he had been in the, bed, in, 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 the, in the grave for four days. Lord, he already stinks. It's been four days. And Jesus said to her, and I can just see Jesus in my mind's eye turning to her and looking her in the eye and saying to her, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you would believe Didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And he says, I know that you always hear me. He says, and I'm saying this today publicly so that these people around me will, will hear and understand today. And after he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips, And with his face wrapped in a cloth, then Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Our key takeaway for today was the idea that the resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And I don't know who you are today and what is dying on the inside of you. Whether you're dead in your doubts, you're dead in your discouragement, or you may be dead in the delay today. Can I tell you something? Dead things don't stay dead when Jesus rolls up on the scene. The implication for us today is that not only does Jesus have the power over his death, but he also has the power over our death as well. As we close today, I want to read you one of my favorite portions of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And it talks about another resurrection that's going to happen one day in the future. And listen to what it says in verse number 20. It says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or who have died. For since death came through a man, that would be Adam. It says, therefore, since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. That would be a reference to Jesus. For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, the first seed that was planted in the ground when Jesus died on the cross, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards at his coming, the people of Christ. Then comes the end when he will hand over the kingdoms to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. Here's the great fantastic news for you and I today. Verse 26 says, the last enemy to be abolished is death. It's death. Because dead things don't stay dead when Jesus rolls up on the scene. And if you're dead in your doubts today, if you're dead in your discouragement today, if you're dead in the delay today, let me take you back to what we just sang a few moments ago in that song we sang together called Resurrecting. I love the bridge of that song, which says, by your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. I'll ask you the same question that Jesus asked Martha in Bethany when he showed up on the scene. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Uh, As sure as I'm standing here today, church, I believe Jesus specializes in bringing dead things back to life. And I can say that on the authority of what Jesus made, the statement that he made in John chapter 11 and verse number 25, where Jesus Christ himself, the perfect sinless son of God said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you're dead today, uh, spiritually, he wants to bring you alive. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And our prayer for you is that you would know and experience life and life abundantly because you have come to put your faith and your trust in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Thank you so much um, for tuning in today. And uh, in just a few minutes, there's going to be some discussion questions that are going to come up on the screen. Let me encourage you to engage either by yourself or maybe with those you're watching with today and unpack and have some conversation around some of the questions that you're going to see come up on the screen in just a couple of seconds. If there's anything that we can do for you this week or even beyond, please reach out to us and let us know. Uh, you can reach me personally at care at the Epic Church. And I'd love to connect with you and we'd love to help you in any way that we can. So let me pray for you today. And uh, again, thanks for, for, uh, for tuning in today, okay? God, I come to you today. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Um, thank you um, that we believe and know that when you show up on the scene, Lord, um, uh, dead things don't stay dead. You specialize and bringing us alive in our doubts. Um, You specialize in bringing us alive in our discouragement. You specialize in bringing us alive in in what we think is a delay. Um, So God, today we ask that you grow our faith and our trust in you, not only as the Messiah, not only as the good shepherd, but as the resurrection 
and the life. So help us to live in victory today and uh, trust you uh, with everything that's going on um, in our lives. We thank you for your true word that you give us that we are allowed to read and, and study. Uh, God, I thank you um, for the privilege that I have, Lord, to teach and communicate it. Uh, Lord, it's something I don't ever want to take for granted. I don't ever want to, uh, to take lightly. And God, I pray that some way, somehow, uh, you would speak to somebody today in a way that's so much better and clearer than I ever could. So have your will and way in our lives and accomplish what you want to accomplish in us and through us today. For it's all these things we pray and ask in your name. Amen.